last week, our worship team walked us through the Easter message pretty powerful way. Amen? I mean, they really did. And, um, and that's, that's right. I mean, that's the thing you should do on Easter. And it's always good to look back. Uh, that's the foundation of our faith for sure. And it's easy to sing about and worship about. But this morning, I'd like to uh, look forward a little bit. Last week, we looked at the, uh, at the past and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, I'd like to look to the future and the reality of our resurrection because of what Jesus did. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. It's kept in heaven for you. Peter's saying very clearly that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and because of that, you and I get to rise from the dead. And the Bible continually tells us we ought to think about that. Keep our minds on things above, the Bible says. Look at the unseen instead of the seen. You know, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Fix our eyes on heaven. And, and the early Christians who were persecuted so strongly thought a lot about heaven. That's what got them through it. They prayed, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The slaves in this country early on used to think a lot about heaven under their persecution. They sang songs like, this earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up for me beyond the blue. In other words, this hope of heaven kept the early Christians uh, motivated and strong through trials and persecution. But today, today we don't talk a whole lot about heaven. And you know why? Because we got it so good here. I mean, just think about it. Most of us in here are not under any kind of persecution, not real persecution. Most of us in here are not living in poverty. I mean, are you kidding me? We have 15% of the world's population living on 78% of the world's goods. Even our poor people in this country have it pretty good. And we are deeply seeped into this affluent culture. In other words, we like it here. And sometimes the thought of heaven sounds a little boring in comparison. Because we start thinking about sitting on a cloud and playing a harp or, you know, singing praises to God all the time. And we're thinking, I'm not real hurry to get there, thank you very much. That's why I thought this morning it'd be good while the resurrection of Jesus is still fresh on our minds and in our hearts to think about heaven a little bit because it's so powerful and it's so real and it, it is our living hope. And it's good to think on a while, once in a while anyway, for several reasons. Number one, it takes our mind off of this world that we're living in, which is very important. 1 John 2.15 says very clearly, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 17 says, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. In other words, if our primary focus is on heaven, then we're not going to get all caught up into things of this world. We're not going to get gaga over the things of this world because we know they're doomed for destruction. I was looking over some Bob Russell notes from 20 years ago in a sermon he, he wrote called, uh, Can You Imagine? And, and he was talking about uh, an ad that he saw in a New York gar uh, gourmet magazine in the 1990s. And he said, you could see the Twin Towers in the background, and the ad said, the lights are always on. And the fine print said that the fun in New York, uh, the fun and exciting times in New York never stops. But of course it did. It did, and most of us in here are old enough to remember that nasty 9-11 business, which was just another reminder that even the most impressive buildings are going to come tumbling down sometime. 
See, if our focus is on heaven, then we're not going to be terrified even if the world does collapse, which is good because if you watch the news, that could happen any day. If our primary focus is on heaven, then we're not going to be jealous when other people get things that we don't. We're not going to be envious of the things that people have that we don't. If our focus is on heaven, we're not going to be so caught up in success all the time. Everybody wants to be successful. I read last week about a guy that was bragging on Facebook how he got entry into a nightclub that said, no tie, no entry, and he got in. They said, how'd you do it? He said, well, I went out the car, and I got my jumper cables, and I tied them around my neck in a little knot. And I walked back up in the line, the bouncer said, what are you doing? He said, well, this is my tie. He said, those are jumper cables. He said, no, it's a new fashion, it's a tie. And the bouncer said, okay, you can go in, but uh, don't start anything. (sighs) The second reason it's important for us to think about heaven once in a while, it gives us hope for the future, regardless of what's going on right now. Verse 6 says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Boy, isn't that the truth? we got people in this room right now are suffering major grief. Just talked about one this morning. we got people in this room right now who are going through major trials. Some of us have been scarred so deeply as a child, we don't think we're ever going to get over it. Some of us are so deep in debt right now, we don't think we'll ever get out of it. Some of us in here have physical disabilities that we don't think we'll ever get away with in this lifetime. Some of us have gone through a divorce or two or three. And now we're married again. we got all this baggage and all these kids from different marriages. And we wonder, can we ever have a true harmonious life again? Some people in this room are grieving right now of somebody they lost just not too long ago. And we have a whole society of young people right now that are being treated constantly for anxiety because they see the future. So you see what I mean? If our primary focus is in this present age, then the older we get, the more discouraged we're going to get. But... But if our citizenship is in heaven, ooh, that changes everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. God's going to give us all a mulligan. The grave has been conquered. We got hope eternal in heaven. I mean, that's a powerful future for us to put our our hope and our living in and our focus on. One guy put it like this, that anybody can live with any why as long... No. If you have a a why, you can live with any how. Thank you. I speak for a living, by the way. It's powerful stuff. But a third reason why it's good to focus on heaven once in a while is because uh, it it scratches that itch way down deep inside of us that we have no satisfaction for. You know what I'm talking about? The one way down deep. We were talking about this last week at our house. For years, Angie had an aquarium. She's talking about getting another one. And we enjoyed it. But she loved it. She'd go to PetSmart and buy those little neon tetras and all these little kinds of fish. And she took good care of the fish. They got fed and, you know, she kept the water perfect temperature and she got those little sucker fishes and kept everything clean. But the fish had it made, but you looked in there and you had to feel sorry for them. Because those fish knew instinctively there was got to be more to life than this. And you'd see them bouncing up off the side, looking outside. Because even though they'd never been in a lake... They knew they were created for something bigger than a fish tank. More challenge and more freedom than that. And I'm just telling you, it's the same thing for us as Christians. 
We have the basics. In fact, most of us in here have some pretty good life going on, you know what I mean? But we all know there's got to be something more than this. It's got to be something more. Solomon put it like this, God has set eternity in the heart. David says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. I remember when Jim Carrey, comedian, when he had his big breakdown years ago, they asked him about it later, and he said, I I don't know, I just have this real black hole in my heart that I just can't seem to fill. There's a restlessness in every human heart that longs for more. And just like those fish, we're bumping up against the side of our life looking for it. And we're trying everything. We're trying pleasure and possessions and power and popularity. And, and we're going along with every whim of society. If society wants to do this, it must be okay. Well, everybody should be happy and loved. If they want to do this, it must be okay. That's not what the Bible says. Well, the Bible's wrong. We'll make it do it. I, we, we're trying everything and it's not working. It's not working. The Apostle Paul said, we groan because we want to be clothed with the heavenly. And when we focus on heaven, we temporarily get that satisfaction inside because we know what's coming. Haven't you ever come to church on Sunday morning and you're just not into it? You're just not there, you know what I mean? It's like you're come because that's what you do. And, and then all of a sudden, there's a song sang or a scripture read or somebody says something and something stirs inside of you, and you start to get filled up on the inside, and you forget everything else that's going on, and when you leave out of here, you're so filled up. You know what that is? It's that living hope that got scratched, that that desire that you know is going to be fulfilled someday. The question is, how can we focus more on heaven until we get there? The Bible says, keep your mind on things above. It's hard to do, isn't it? A few weeks from now, uh, summer vacations are going to start, and I'm already hearing from some of you where you're going. You can't wait to get there. You're excited. Some of us are going places we've never been before, and we're still excited because we've seen videos, and we've read the brochures, and we've looked at pictures, and we've talked to people that have been there and come back. So even though we've not been there, we're excited. It's a little harder to do with heaven because we don't have any videos. We don't have any brochures. We don't have any pictures. Nobody sent us back a selfie. And the Bible doesn't talk a lot about heaven. But I can tell you what the Apostle Paul said. Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven, and I saw things I'm not permitted to talk about. But I can tell you this much. To depart here and be there is far more. To get out of here and to go home is far more. And that's our focus. So what I thought I'd do this morning is just to remind us of some of the things, just a few of the things that we're going to have in this living hope in heaven, and then we'll go down the altar and thank the, the Lord of the resurrection again. Number one, God the Creator will be there. I mean, can you imagine that? That ought to be enough right there. Revelation 21.3 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God was with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. I mean, are you kidding me? I can't wait for that. The Bible says no man could see God and live, but one day, We're going to get to do that. The God that shook the mountain, that created all of this is going to be in our presence. And it's going to be so exciting. But listen to me, it's also going to be very sobering. Because that means every one of us one day will stand before the judgment throne of God, either under His grace or under His wrath. And it's coming quick. It's coming quick. Relief and healing will be there. Number two, Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Jesus will, by by the way. There'll be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. I mean, are you kidding me? No more knee pain? (laughs) No more back pain? No more stress? No more disappointment? 
No more grief. We won't be dragged by, by temptation anymore. I'm sick of giving in to temptation. Anybody else? No more of that. All things will become new. We got people who come in here every week in wheelchairs. A little girl and a little guy come in here. But guess what, people? No wheelchairs in heaven. We got people come in here every week and use a hearing device to hear me preach or turn it down so they don't have to hear me one way or the other. But there won't be any deaf section in heaven. I mean, you can imagine this. Listen, one day, Double D Senior is going to be young again. Amen. Dennis Duncan's going to have hair again. Jim Kane's going to be 6'4 with broad shoulders. I mean, I can't wait. Everything's going to be new. All the old will be gone. I think, now you're laughing. <laughs> Worship and inspiration will be there. Revelation 4.10 says, We will fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. I'm going to tell you something. If there was a more talented, I just telling Eric this last week, if there was a more talented group on stage last week for Easter than what we had up here, I'd like to hurt them. Because they rocked the house in here last week in service of Jesus. If there's a more talented young a youth minister out there than Mark Huddleston in, in terms of his preaching, or a more talented executive minister than Jerry Clark. I'd like to hear him, and I will one day, because in heaven we're going to hear the angels sing. We're, we're going to hear Gabriel play a trumpet and David play the harp, and we're going to get to interview the likes of people like Noah and, and Paul and Peter and James. I mean, can you think about being in a worship service where there's no distraction and no skepticism and you're not worried about what you're doing when this is over and you're not worried about if anybody's watching you and your heart's just poured out to Jesus and you look around the room and everybody else's is too and it's just an amazing worship and then everything gets quiet and Jesus walks out on the stage and you can hear a pin drop and he opens up the Bible and starts to preach and he's talking about scriptures that you've always wondered, what's that mean? And he tells us, we'll be just like those two men on the road to Emmaus. Our hearts will burn inside of us as he explains the scripture to us. I can't wait for that. Our loved ones in Christ will be there waiting for us. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. You know, every once in a while, it's been a while, but mostly pre-COVID, when we were full and, and we were having parking problems, remember that? Kind of starting to have them again. That's why the back lot's opening again, by the way. I want to remind you of that. Every now and then, somebody would say to me, man, we're just getting too big. Don't you remember how awesome it was to be in that little white church over there? And when somebody would say that to me, I always said the same thing. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if that's really how you feel, you better do whatever you can to stay out of heaven because you'll be miserable there. It's going to be packed from every multitude and language, the Bible says. Be all kinds of interesting people you've never met before. And also, like the old song says, friends will be there I've loved long ago. I can't wait to see my dad again. Been 30 years. And my mommy, it's already been two. My father-in-law, my grandparents. Some of you have lost boyfriends recently. Kids and spouses, and moms and dads. We're going to get to see him again. We can't wait. One 92-year-old woman said, I hope I die pretty soon. My friends are going to think I didn't make it. <laughs> People ask me all the time, hey, do you think we're going to know each other when we get to heaven? I'm, are you kidding me? What a joke it would be if that wasn't true. The Bible says I'm going to know uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've never met them before. When Peter and James were on the mountain and, and Moses and Elijah showed up, they'd been dead for hundreds of years. They knew him immediately. Of course we're going to know each other. It's going to be like getting off an airplane if you've been on a trip and the whole family's waiting on you. It'd be like going home. Several years ago, 
uh, Claudia and Candy and I, my mom was turned 80. We took her up to Plainfield to get a donut and look at the old house and to go home again. And we pulled up in front of our house and we got out and looked. And the people came outside and wanted to know what was going on. And we told them, they said, well, come on in. And we got to walk back in my childhood home and walk through. It was, it was amazing. But I remember thinking when we left that home years ago, I'm going to come back here a lot. But I didn't. Because I found, I found out pretty quickly that home is not a house and it's not a location. It, it's where your family is. And when you and I finally get to get heaven, even though we've never been there, our Father's going to be there and all of our family's going to be there. And I, I guarantee you, you, you won't miss your house and your property a lick. It'd be good to be home. It's going to be some pretty exciting rewards and praise be there too. Matthew 16, 27 says, The Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and He will reward each person according to what He's done. According to what He's done. Now listen, we've made a book of this here in the last month or so, and especially a couple weeks ago when we preached the sermon on baptism. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. But the Bible makes it clear we're going to get rewarded for our works. In other words, heaven's not going to be some bland place of equality where everybody gets a first place trophy. So don't get used to that nonsense down here. When I was a kid, we had an awards banquet at the end of baseball season, the end of basketball season, and the most outstanding athletes got the biggest awards. And that's the way it's going to be in heaven. Think about it. The Apostle Paul and Peter and those who suffered are going to be rewarded a whole lot more than a preacher like me that's really had it made for 34 years. The teenager who has struggled and struggled and struggled to stay pure all the way till they got married are going to get a greater reward than the one that caved in and then repented later. The guy who's been so faithful to his wife and walked her through all the health issues and Alzheimer's is going to get a greater reward than the guy whose wife is healthy and he just took for granted. The couple who have given 10, 15, 20% of their income all these years gleefully and joyfully to the Lord are going to have more treasure stored up in heaven than the people who just gave God leftovers. That's just the way it is. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he'll suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping in flames. Personally, I can't wait for the awards banquet, because remember, there won't be any envy in heaven. So we're all going to celebrate for each other when this happens. I think there'll be study and learning going on there, too. I used to think as soon as we got to heaven, we'd know everything, you know? Uh, but then I read this, reread this thing with Bob Russell, and I, that can't be it. Because if that's true, we'd be like God, and that's what got us in trouble to begin with. That's what's got us in trouble now, by the way, thinking we can do anything we want to do because we're so smart. I won't go down that road again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Listen to this. In order that in the coming age, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. 1 Peter 1.12, even the angels longed to look into these things. The angels watched as the Old Testament played out, and then they learned about redemption, and they were so amazed by it. That's going to be us. We get to heaven. We'll have all these questions answered. I can't wait. I got a lot of questions. Lord, how, how old is the earth, really? You know, where's the dinosaurs? Are we billions of years old? Did you cut the Grand Canyon or has the river done that? Lord, why did you let Satan run around for so long? Why didn't you just take him out? Lord, you know that passage in Ephesians chapter 1 about predestination? Man, I've had so many debates back and forth. What's that really mean? And what about, what's this business with ticks? I don't understand. What's a, what's a tick all about? But the biggest question I'm going to ask is, why in the world in the garden didn't you use a cat? 
What do you, he would have made a much better devil than a serpent, you know what I mean? But, but seriously, it would be awesome. Our minds will be alert, our memories will be keen, and we'll be eager to learn. If you like to travel, you like to see new things, heaven will be your place. Revelation 21, 2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, God's, uh, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. If you read uh, chapter 21 of Jerusalem, it gives the dimensions of the new city, Jerusalem. And, and if you look at the dimensions out, it would be like Canada to Mexico, the Appalachian Mountains to California. And that's just two dimensions of the new city. And the Bible says the gates will be open on each side. It, it, it's, it's like people can come and go safely all the time. We'll get to explore the universe. I mean, you could have breakfast on Mars and lunch on Jupiter and, and maybe dinner at Alpha Centauri. I mean, my kids absolutely love to explore. They're going to have an absolute blast in heaven. All the things we're going to get to see. I mean, I think about the things just on this earth that have taken my breath away. Hawaii and the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and the Redwoods. And, and I've not even seen places like Ireland and, and Australia and some of these places. They're just a foretaste. The Bible talks about water and trees and light and fruit and animals, including harmless wolves and lions all over the place. No mentions of cat. Ooh, I want to go there. You know what I'm saying? About it. But here's the deal. My wife and my children and my mother-in-law can sit down and plan vacations forever all over the universe. It's going to be marvelous. Work will be in heaven. The Bible talks about heaven being a place of rest, and I think we're not careful. We sometimes think it's eternal rest. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Revelation 22.3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. But the curse of work will be done. You know how sometimes you're doing your job and you just really get bored with it? There'll be none of that in heaven. Sometimes you're doing your job and you're just exhausted. There'll be none of that in heaven. But the feeling you get when you get a job done, that'd be in heaven and you'll be doing it for the Lord. Joy and laughter in heaven. Luke 6, 21, blessed are those who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Heaven, there'll be a lot of laughter and laughter is contagious. You know, you're in one room of the house, and you hear a bunch of people laughing in the other room of the house. You've got to go see what's going on, because laughter, do you like to laugh, all of you? Let, let me help you out. I read last week about a, a new restaurant on the moon. They said the food's really good, but there's no atmosphere. I got a pet slug, or a pet snail, and I took, the, I took the shell off of it, because they told me to make him faster. It didn't work. It just made him more sluggish. I talked about Ireland earlier. Do you know it's the fastest growing country on the planet? It's doubling every day. Listen to me. You guys better start laughing at these because I got a million of them. I'm going to tell them for eternity in heaven. There'll be a lot of laughter in heaven, I'm telling you. But you know the greatest thing to me about heaven, you know who's going to be there? My Jesus. My Jesus who broke his body and shed his blood. My Jesus, who has been with me my entire life, who's forgiven me when I've let him down, who's always been there when I've ignored him, who's loved on me when I didn't love him, who's been faithful and merciful, he's going to be there, and he is going to wipe the tears from my eyes when I fall on my face before him, and I can't wait to do that. He's going to be there. That's why this is so important, because every week we get just a little taste of that. That's why sometimes when we come up here to take communion on Sunday morning, we're a wreck. 
because we know how we've treated him and we know how he's treated us. We can't believe how good he is to us. It's good. Now, I've kind of made a book of this the last few weeks, maybe the last few months, okay? Maybe for the last few years, but I'm not going to stop. This is coming quick. You understand that? Are you, are you watching the news? Are you looking around? And even if it's not a catastrophe worldwide, you're getting older every day. This is coming quick for all of us. And I'm just saying, all the things we talked about this morning are just, I mean, just a taste of what's going to be for heaven if you're here today and you're in Jesus Christ. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. But if you're in the building this morning and you're not of Jesus Christ, the other side of this good news I mean there's a reason I don't preach sermons on hell I, I don't have any words for that I can't imagine it no light ever no goodness for eternity no comfort ever no friends I'll see you in hell no you won't nothing but loneliness and pain and regret Come on, man, you're not going to let that happen, are you? No way. No way. You come up here and talk to me right now. 